Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunandgeeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, it's our fall movie preview. A music group has Josh all tied up in a knot. And what are we looking for in a board game? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our Slipknot lover of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out all the stuff that he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. And also, don't forget his book, Congratulations, You Suck, available now at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Heard you had an interesting week when it comes to Slipknot's latest album that just came out. I don't want to sound like I hate Slipknot, but I, I did not like their new album. And I think of what's happening is I just have outgrown them. 31-year-old Josh does not like Slipknot nearly as much as 18-year-old Josh. And that's fine. Their third album, the Subliminal Verses, felt very mature for them. And then now all of a sudden they went back to sounding like their original stuff. And I know these bands are always trying to like go back to the original sound or reinvent themselves, but it's just not my thing anymore. I just, I don't, I feel like my, either my taste has matured or the album is just not that good. And uh, apparently people are really digging the album. So I think it's just me. You know what? It probably is just you. The reason why I say that is because Metacritic, I went there just because, you know, after you made those comments and I also checked out a little bit of the music myself, it's a vast departure from what they were doing recently. And you're right, it does sound a lot like their older stuff, but I did get a chance to check out Metacritic to just check out what the critics think of it. And it's their highest rated album ever. And it's not even close, my friend. It's actually still, I think a 95, 96, which is uh, pretty darn good for an album that just came out to receive such high acclaim across the board from critics. But there is a band that just released something out there into the wild that you did want to talk about that's not Slipknot, that's something that you really enjoy. Yeah, so our friends Stasis, who we have interviewed on Topic Ocalypse, their lead singer Callum Marie just sent me a message last night. They put out a new single this weekend called Morning, and you can check that out on the Dreambound page on YouTube. The song is really good. Their sound has definitely matured a lot since their last album, and I'm, I was really digging the song this morning. So make your way over there and check it out, and I'm sure I'm going to try to get them on one of our podcasts here soon. Well, that'd be awesome to get them back on to the Pop Culture Cosmos. That's, again, Stasis 
Check out their latest single, Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. That's available now pretty much everywhere out there. You go and check it out indeed. But it is going to be a great show that we're going to have for you today. We've got a lot of things to talk about, including our fall movie preview. We're going to run down the list of the major movies that are coming out for the rest of this year. And Josh and I are going to break them down. Does it sound good? Is it not so good? Is it earmarked for success? Could it be Oscar worthy? We're going to break that down here in a bit with Gen Con just finished. And Gen Con is the largest convention out there for the board gaming community. That just ended in Indianapolis last week. And we want to go ahead and share our thoughts on what type of board game would we be looking for when it comes to something that we'd like to see at next year's Gen Con. Plus, we got to go ahead and share our thoughts on Walmart and a major decision that they made stemming from some tragic incidents that have happened recently. We're going to go ahead and share our thoughts on that later in the program as well. But first, my friend, I got to update everyone on, well, I guess for many, it will be the last weekend at the movie theaters before kids start going back to school and whatnot. But again, some have already gone back to school. And if, if you did, best of luck in your school year. But I wanted to get everybody up to date with what happened this weekend. Hobson Shaw did repeat at number one domestically at the box office with about $25 million. And scary stories to tell in the dark, which look like coming out of Friday, they might go ahead and pull out the win. Unfortunately, due to some bad word of mouth and a bad cinema score right around the C, that unfortunately dropped down to a number two slot with $20 million just to fight it off with The Lion King at number three, also at $20 million this weekend. Dora, which I'm going to tell you, Josh, has the best word of mouth so far amongst all the new movies that are out with a, get this, my friend, A cinema score, meaning all the people that are coming out of the theaters, they're giving it an A on an average. That debuted with $17 million domestically. You know what? I guess the word of mouth amongst the families, amongst the kids, makes it a lot better than what the trailers are dictating. So it looks like something that could end up having some legs. We'll have to see because there's a ton of movies coming out this next week as well. And also don't want to forget Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has now crossed over the $100 million barrier as well domestically. The Art of Racing in the Rain and The Kitchen, well, unfortunately, those two movies were pretty much sent out to die, both doing under $10 million domestically, and there's not much hope for them at all. But I want to hear your thoughts on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It slightly beat expectations, but it doesn't look like it's going to be good for long term for Guillermo del Toro's movie because, unfortunately, it's not getting that great word of mouth. Well, I, I know we kind of touched on this last week. No movie gets great word of mouth outside of a Marvel film. You know, and that drives me crazy. If you're Don't really explore it. Yeah, I guess because we're in a dry spell of kids' movies. So obviously people are going to be talking about it just because of the fact it's a Dora the Explorer movie. But, you know, any anybody who tries to introduce a new concept into cinema these days, just they don't get anything out of it. You know, if you're not a Marvel movie, if you're not a Disney movie, if you're not a Star Wars movie, whatever it is, if you're not a major franchise or related to a major production company, you don't get the recognition that you deserve. And that drives me absolutely crazy because, you know, we're reaching a point where 
we're getting the same things over and over and over. And I love Guillermo del Toro because he loves creature features. Like that's his thing. And he brings so much magic to the movies and people don't appreciate the way that they should because it doesn't have explosions. There's no superheroes. There's no lightsaber battles. It's just, there's so much in it. There's not enough in it to really garner people's attention when in fact there is more in it than I think people are able to handle. Well, let's hope it might have a new life when it hits video or maybe even becoming a cult classic, it didn't cost that much to make right around 20 to 25 million. So it's not exactly like it won't break even. It looks like it will at some point break even after all said done, maybe after home video DVD release and all that door on the lost city of gold. That's still up for debate on whether that's going to do well long-term, but the A cinema score doesn't hurt it at all. In fact, that's some pretty good word of mouth going around as far as that movie's concerned, but that still has a lot more to do if it wants to go ahead and see a profit. But again, Hobbs and Shaw is the number one movie this weekend, again, at the box office. It hasn't even appeared in its biggest market for the Fast and Furious series in China. It hasn't even debuted there yet, and already it's garnered $330 million, so while it won't do the top end Fast and Furious money, it will still probably do around six hundred, maybe even seven hundred million dollars before all is said and done. And for a spin-off movie of that kind, that's not too bad. I do want to get out and see it. I've heard there's some pretty cool cameos in it. But I did watch Detective Pikachu this weekend. Excellent movie. I disagree with you on that. We'll go ahead and maybe on an end of the year list we'll talk about that. But I strongly disagree with you on Detective Pikachu. Okay, well, you can have your thoughts and I'll keep mine. (laughs) Fair enough. No, actually, it's not King Arthur difference. It's just, it was kind of boring and flat for me. And I didn't think Ryan Reynolds was funny at all in it, but that's beside the point. So what are your thoughts out there on this weekend at the box office? Are you still going to go check out some of the movies this weekend? Because there is still a lot of movies coming out in the near future and over the course of the fall. Please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well well coming up next right after the break we're going to be bringing you our fall movie preview where we're going to go into heavy detail on the fall movies starting with next week's movies because they're coming right out fast and furious pardon the pun right there but we're going to be talking about movies coming out through the rest of the year right after the break this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a VITABRACE gaming wristband or use the code BUYONE-GET-ONE and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50 or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VITABRACE gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here with my friend, Josh Peterson. Josh, it's about that time of the year we go ahead and break down some of the movies that are coming out for the rest of this year. 
I know this next week actually starts a little early with the Angry Birds Movie 2 coming out on Tuesday. Kind of different that that's the case, but again, it is coming out this Tuesday. And also as well, for a lot of kids that are going back to school, they're not going to be able to see it to the weekend. So it's kind of weird how that's being set up. But after that, you've got this weekend. It's also 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, a sequel, which I think will get some attention because of the fact that 47 Meters Down was a hit. But the fact that it's not going to have the the same individuals involved is probably not going to go ahead and get that kind of success. You've got Good Boys, which is trying to be, I guess, the hit that Booksmart wasn't as far as an R-rated comedy. When you see the advertisements for this and the latest trailers, and they utilize the same exact music as Booksmart, I don't see good things for this, even with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg behind it. I just don't see good things for this one as well. I think, you know, when it comes to a movie like Good Boys, well, comedies especially, like we tend to compare them to other movies. And we forget that the formula that these movies come from have always come from the same movies. So it's a Seth Rogen flick. So chances are it's going to be just like all the other Seth Rogen flicks out there. I agree with you on that, especially the fact that I saw a really good movie in Booksmart earlier this year that I think will be on a lot of people's top 10 lists. But unfortunately, not enough word was spread around for it as far as getting that type of buzz. So it never really picked up any steam or momentum. So unfortunately, it's going to have to either become a cult hit, like I mentioned earlier about other films, or going to be something that is going to do well, hopefully on home video. But I don't think Good Boys is just from the looks of it, it's going to hit those same high watermarks that a lot of other R-rated comedies are going to do. Plus the timing in the middle of August, it's not the greatest. We even saw with Booksmart where it came out during the summer, it came out when a lot of people were available to see it, but it came out at a time where there was a lot of other movies that were weighing it down and had it come out at a different point in time, maybe would have gotten a lot more attention. Same thing with Good Boys. I think if it came out at a different time, it would probably get a lot more attention than it is now. It is coming out this weekend. Friday, August the 16th, along with 47 Meters Down and Caged, and also the Angry Birds movie too, which will already be out on Tuesday. So that's kind of an interesting mix. We'll see where it goes from there. You also have coming out later this month, Angel Has Fallen. And the reason why I'm focusing on this movie is this Gerard Butler's last chance to helm a movie and actually have him be anything close to a box office draw. The reason why I say that is because he's failed so many times now as a leading man in movies already since his plateau as a box office draw. This is part of the Fallen series that he's already done two times that have done reasonably well. So could this be third time's a charm or could this be game over for Gerard Butler? Let me start with this. I'm really excited for this movie because I'm a huge fan of the Fallen trilogy. Would love to see how this trilogy comes to a close in this movie. As for Gerard Butler, like I don't really think he's been in enough high-profile, big studio films to really have to worry about his career being put on the back burner. Not as much as like someone like Taylor Kitsch, who came out the gates in a Disney movie and then ended up tanking that, and then nobody would touch him because Disney's a big studio. I don't really know if Gerard Butler has to worry about that because he's been in a lot of flops. And you know, one I can think of off the top of my head is Geostorm. 
And that was a terrible movie in every aspect. Geostorm. Yeah, but he's still, you know, he's still showing up in movies. And like, I know people really liked movies like The Bounty Hunter. So I think he's one of those actors who, you know, his movies are hit and miss. And that's just going to be the way he is for the rest of his career. But with me, I think Angel Has Fallen is probably going to be one of his last opportunities to helm a film unless he gets a resurgence or a comeback of that type because his star has faded and faded greatly. Ready or Not, Don't Let Go, and Saho, those are the wide releases coming out later in the month along with Overcomer. I don't see from any of that pack yet any type of interest. The only thing I would probably say maybe Ready or Not as a horror thriller I don't think for movies, it's really going to get interesting until September when on the 6th you have, and we've already talked about this one, but I got to mention again, what a lot of people are talking about, it is It Chapter 2. I'm excited and I'm curious if they're going to be doing some of the stuff that's in the books that's kind of extremely graphic. So I'm, I'm curious where they're going with that. What are your thoughts on it? I know you mentioned it to me before and asked me if there's a certain scene that they're going to play out that's in the book. I don't think they're going to play out that one specific scene, as I mentioned to you. We won't go over that in detail here on the show. I think that's a little bit too risque. But some of the graphic scenes as far as blood and gore, I think they'll go out and try and make it somewhat comparable to the book. I mean, the source material is well known. The first movie did bonkers box office, well over $700 million worldwide. Stephen King is a known property as far as his books are concerned. So you put all that together together. This looks like this will be the first major success of the fall season. I think it chapter two is really going to do well. Unless Angry Birds 2 can capture a lot of the magic that the first one did, I think it chapter two will be the next big hit that's out there. After that, you have on the 13th, Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez. I'm not sure that movie's going to stick well with audiences. Her movies seem to do well, maybe for a week or two weeks. Although this one has a lot of well-known names that are out there, including Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, like I said, Julia Stiles, Cardi B, and Lizzo, who has a great song that's out right now that's hitting on the pop charts like crazy. So those ladies together, if the movie's decent, could give this movie a run. But we'll have to wait and see what Hustlers actually does long-term if it's going to be a pan movie or not when it comes out on the 13th. Plus, a lot of people will still be wanting to see It Chapter 2. It's the week after that kind of interests me. And now that Brad Pitt kind of has a little bit of a resurgence and a little more momentum coming off of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he has a movie coming out on the 20th of September in Ad Astra. That movie as a science fiction movie where he goes after and tries to discover what happened to his father and it looks like a real kind of weird sci-fi movie going on there. I, that kind of interests me. I'm kind of looking forward to that. But the other movie that's coming out September 20th, my friend, I want to talk to you about. And that is your thoughts on Rambo, Last Blood. And is there any blood left for folks going to go ahead and check out Rambo one last time? I just want to talk about Ad Astra for a minute. Like I'm excited about it because there have not been many good sci-fi movies out. Like We just don't get them as frequently as we did in the 90s. And that's why... I love 90s films so much. A lot of them, terrible movies, but they were just, they're fun to watch. You know, we didn't, they weren't afraid to try things with genres. These days we don't get any sci-fi movies hardly. So I'm excited about the fact that it's just a sci-fi movie, but I'm even more excited about the fact that I don't know anything about it. I haven't had that feeling for a movie in a very long time. 
Okay, as for Rambo, I don't want to say that I disagree with you, but I mean, maybe just a little bit, just because this is the last Rambo movie. And I because th- the, the one before that was excellent. It was an amazing film. I was going in expecting to hate it, expecting this over-the-top action movie, and it had just the right amount of cinematography, of, of good script writing. It just, it had the right amount of, of, of shock value. Like there, there was the right, it felt like there was the right amount of everything in the recipe that made that film. And for that, even to this day, I still love that movie. I hope it's good. I want it to be good, but it kind of reminds me of like a Desperado type film, right? Where you have one guy taking on hordes of cartels and stuff like that. Like it kind of reminds me of something that would have Antonio Banderas in it. My hope is that it's a good movie and that it takes itself seriously. I would hope that there's a narrative that I can attach myself to. That's what I want out of this movie, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And that's probably going to be it for the rest of September. After that's the case, the last thing that's available that's going to be wide release because the hunt got canceled after the controversy that the movie itself creates because of the unfortunate events that happened last weekend. There is the movie Abominable that's an animated film. And again, anytime you're bringing out a movie like that that's trying to reach out to kids at this point in time during the course of the school year is kind of the right move. So I don't expect much out of that movie as well. When it comes to what we're going to be seeing as far as another major film coming out after Ad Astra, after Rambo Last Blood, Probably the next type of movie of that ilk is October the 4th, which I think a lot of people are looking forward to, and that is Joker with Joaquin Phoenix playing the title role of the Joker. We're looking to see how well his character relates as he transitions into the Joker, because this is, for all intents and purposes, an origin story. So we're going to see how the character evolves into the Joker that we now know and and we're scared of, appreciate whatever your your feelings are on, on the Joker. Your thoughts on the Joker movie coming up? Do you think Joaquin Phoenix is going to knock it out of the park? And how different is that going to be in your mind from what we were seeing before from Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson and Jared Leto for that matter? I will tell you that I've never been more not excited for a movie ever. Like, I don't care. Maybe I'll rent it when it comes out, but like, I have no desire to go see it. Because the Joker, he's interesting to me, but he's not interesting without Batman. You know, if this was an origin story that had Batman in it, I'd be more inclined to go see it. But I just, I don't, I'm not really interested enough in this character to look at his origins because I've read those comics before. It's not something I want to see translated onto the big screen. That being said, I know there are people who are excited about it, but I'm not hearing as much hype about this movie as, you know, you would say like a Justice League or something like that. Yeah, and I don't expect it to do anywhere near as well as those movies, which didn't even do as expected themselves, like the Justice League and some of the other movies, and certainly not in Aquaman's category. But for an R-rated film, I want to see how this progresses and if it's going to create any type of Oscar buzz for Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Also on that week is The Woman in the Window, and it has a nice cast in Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, and Julianne Moore, you think those individuals would be creating a movie that I think a lot of people would be talking about, but there's not been a lot of conversation or interest in this movie as of yet. That doesn't mean that Fox is not going to go ahead and put out the hype train on this movie because those two movies, the Joker and the woman in the window need that opportunity of time to make some money because 
Coming up right after that is an animated version of The Addams Family, which might actually garner some interest because The Addams Family seems to do well each and every time it's reprised. And then you have Gemini Man with Will Smith. I remember your lack of interest in the Joker film. I don't recall per se when we talked about the trailer for Gemini Man appearing if you had any real thoughts on Will Smith facing off against a younger digitized CGI Will Smith. You know, it's weird because I just watched Men in Black last night. And I did not know that that was originally a Marvel comic. So that was interesting to me. But, you know, I, I really liked Will Smith when his career first started. But then I kept hearing about all this stuff where he complains about things like he needs to have the final say on scripts before he does them and stuff like that. And like, that's not something that I can get behind. So I kind of got over him, you know, and his, his films. But with Gemini Man, it, it looks cool. But also Ang Lee is directing. And Ang Lee obviously has a career in directing a lot of movies, The Life of Pi, and several other movies that he's made that have really done well critically or at the box office. Yeah, and this is kind of a different movie for somebody like Ang Lee to be making also. But yeah, I want to see it. I, I need to know more about it. Maybe I'll go back and watch the 90s version of it. From what I saw, like Will Smith doesn't look bad in it. It looks like something that's kind of taking him back to the roots of his acting, you know, with Men in Black, Independence Day, things like that. I do want to see it. I want to know more about it, but it looks like something that I could watch and not have to like concern myself with a bigger storyline. So that is kind of appealing to me. And coming up the week after that, again, we're now seeing in October some decent movies coming out back to back to back because right after that, you're going to have the sequel to Maleficent, Maleficent Mistress of Evil. And then you also have another sequel Zombieland 2, Double Tap. Both of these movies are coming out October 18th. Your thoughts on both these movies? I know Maleficent, it looks like it's going to be going ahead and tapping on that previous movie. A lot of the themes are there, and she's battling off, I believe, against Michelle Pfeiffer, if I'm not mistaken. I hope it doesn't fall into the same trap that we saw with Snow White and the Huntsman, where the sequel did nowhere near as well because it didn't follow a lot of the same rules of the previous movie or tried to rehash a lot of them in an incorrect way. And then with Zombieland 2, did this movie, Zombieland 2, come out maybe two or three years too late? Yeah, that's always the question with sequels, isn't it? Like, you know, we talked about Blade Runner, Blade Runner coming out 20, 30 years too late, despite being a really good movie. With Zombieland, I think that, you know, it's popping up right at the edge of the zombie fad. Like, people are, are slowly losing interest in shows like Walking Dead, you know, a lot of the zombie games, Resident Evil, things like that. I think that they're popping up right at the end of that fad. And if it does well, it could very well keep the, the zombie interest going for a long time. But watching the trailers, it looks like it's like a mixture of Napoleon Dynamite and Zombieland to me. And I, I don't know if that was like the tone they were going for, but it looks interesting. But at the same time, it looks like it's going to quickly go over the top. I saw the trailer a few weeks ago and I wanted to ask you about it. What are your thoughts? Because I like that it has all the casts back and I like some of the, the gags that they're playing in the trailer with like the, the doppelgangers and stuff like that. But it looks like it doesn't have a storyline that is really going to carry it all the way through a two hour movie. I agree with you. I think when it comes down to it, Zombieland sequel should have come out three, four years ago. I think there was a period in time where it was a hot property and a hot commodity that it would have been appealing to audiences. I just think where it's at now, 
right in the middle of all these movies that are coming out. In fact, we're going to mention one that's also coming out that same week as that movie and Maleficent and Jay and Silent Bob's reboot. We're going to talk about that here in a sec, but I just don't think it's going to have that same type of appeal that it once did. And sad to say that it's probably going to get snowed under real quick with all the movies that are coming out before it and all the movies that are coming out after it. And a lot of people are going to go ahead and say, even if the movie's halfway decent, that it's just going to be a movie that it should have come out at a different point in time because a lot of people, though nostalgia for sequels, there's a certain finite point of time where you should bring out sequels. And unfortunately, this is not going to be the case where I think it's it's just going to be a miss. And like you said, the zombie genre is dying. The Walking Dead's ratings have plummeted over the past few years. And there's a lack of interest now with zombie movies. So be that as it may, it's still going to be coming out, still going to garner some interest. But you're right, the story itself doesn't look like it's going to hold together as well as the previous one did. But we have to wait and see what happens when it comes out the week of October 18th. And also, with the Maleficent sequel, there's also Jay and Silent Bob's reboot. I want to hear your thoughts You're again on this. I know coming out of Comic-Con, you were really excited for this movie. I could tell already. But your thoughts on this movie, when it's coming out, do you think it's going to also garner the type of interest that it needs to become a hit? Because, again, it's coming out with all these movies during that week, before, and after. Could it also be a movie that's going to get snowed under at the box office? Well, Kevin Smith movies have notoriously not made a lot of money. Kevin Smith is a smart filmmaker in the fact that he doesn't blow his production budget above what it needs to be. And for that, his movies always seem to make back what they cost to make, plus marketing fees. So he's, he's very smart in that aspect. Because he, he a lot of this is, well, it does have some studio backing. It's independently financed. So he's kind of smart with his money. But you know, as for what the film does, I, I think that he's one of those people who has a cult following. So there's always going to be somebody who goes and watches the film. This film was made for people who grew up in the 80s and 90s. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to do well, Not maybe not, not gangbusters at the box office, but it's going to do well enough. It's going to do well enough to maybe garner interest in a Clerks 3. It's going to do well enough to maybe garner interest in a Mallrats 2. And what I hope that it does is do well enough to make people go back and watch some of the earlier Kevin Smith movies. Because like I told you before, you have to respect the man because in a time where people are getting offended just for you breathing in their direction. Kevin Smith is crossing lines that, you know, for the sake of making people laugh that most people would be terrified to cross. Well, at least you know, you're going to get one thing when it comes to a Kevin Smith movie. And that is a lot of cameos already teased in the trailer is Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and a whole bunch of other great characters that have been a part of his past career. So Looking forward to seeing what Jay and Silent Bob's reboot will do once it comes out. It's being released by a smaller entity, Fathom Entertainment. So we'll have to see how this movie that, like you said, is not going to have the huge, tremendous production budget that a lot of other films do. How that will go ahead and match up with Maleficent and also as well Zombieland 2 when they come out, all of three of them, the week of October 18th. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. 
In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. The next week after that, I want to ask you a question, my friend, on this one. If you had a movie with Sebastian Stan, William Hurt, and Samuel L. Jackson, what kind of movie would you be thinking? I would be thinking like a spy espionage movie or some kind of historical epic, maybe. You wouldn't be thinking a Marvel movie? Well, I would also be thinking a Marvel movie, but I know that for a fact that that's not happening. So what kind of movie are we looking at? We're looking at a war drama called The Last Full Measure, which is coming out October 25th. That is, again, with Sebastian Stan, William Hurt, Samuel L. Jackson, Ed Harris, Christopher Plummer, Peter Fonda, Diane Ladd. These are some pretty heavyweight names in the industry. Whether or not this movie is going to click with audiences, that's a different story. So we'll have to wait and see as far as the hype and the buildup. But this looks like something that is going to be a big hit or a big miss with all the big names that are attached. Again, it's going to be something similar, I think, with this going on earlier in the month with what we're going to see with The Woman in the Window. Will all these big names in both those movies push those movies into relevance? I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case. But again, it all depends on the hype and how they're marketed and how audiences are going to relate to that. November is coming up after that. It's past Halloween. And while the horror movies are still going to be coming out, a lot of people are still going to probably even be seeing it at that point in time. There's the movie Countdown, the horror movie Countdown, that's also coming October 25th. The attention turns to November and the first, my friend, with a movie that you and I are both not interested in seeing. But still, there's going to be a lot of interest, a lot of hype. And James Cameron is behind it now. And that's Terminator Dark Fate. I know we've talked about this before, but do you think it will garner interest at all from people out there? I think it will based off the nostalgia of being the spiritual sequel to T2. I just think there's been so much bad word of mouth going as far as the Terminator franchise to go ahead and really find a hit again out of the Terminator series. I think people are tired of Terminator. You know, just from what I've heard about Terminator Dark Fate coming out and word of mouth people I've talked to about it like there's not a lot of interest in it a lot of people are like yeah well you know I'm gonna red box it when it comes out but there's no plans for people to really go see it in the movie theaters and especially like the cool thing about franchise films usually is that people be like okay well I'm gonna go back and marathon these movies just so I can either know what happens with what I'm going into or kind of refresh my mind on the story so far they haven't really officially said what movies are being retconned from the Terminator franchise, but they have said that there are movies that are being retconned from the Terminator franchise. Like this is supposed to take place, what, directly after Terminator 2, they said? It's too confusing. The storylines have become too convoluted. There's been too many people driving it into the ground for the sake of making money. And I don't see this one doing well. If people go see it, it'll be, for the reason you said, nostalgia. But outside of that, I don't think that there's going to be much of a reason for people to really watch this film except to see if James Cameron can still work a, a movie that he made famous but I don't even think he's di he directed this right he just produced this film that's correct because he's busy playing with the Avatar series right now so he only produced it and Linda Hamilton is back Edward Furlong is back Arnold Schwarzenegger is back but I'm not holding out much hope for Terminator Dark Fate 
That same week is a movie that's interesting because Edward Norton sits in the director's chair and also stars in this movie, Motherless Brooklyn, with Bruce Willis, Willem Dafoe, Alec Baldwin, Leslie Mann. Again, another movie with a nice, deep cast that, I don't know, my friend, again, will it be a movie that snowed under or will it get that Oscar buzz that helps generate that type of interest into the movie? This crime drama, when it comes out, on November 1st as well, the same week as Terminator Dark Fate. It may be one of those movies that's going to be a slow burn that's going to be like a number two or number three at the box office behind Terminator Dark Fate. And once Terminator starts getting terminated by its own bad word, Motherless Brooklyn could be a movie that by the end of the month could see a nice tidy profit. But wait and see what the word of mouth is on Motherless Brooklyn when it comes out November 1st, the same day as Terminator Dark Fate. When it comes to the month of November, I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out after that because we now get into both movie watching season back up again full time. Plus, also, you're getting into a lot of award season and there's a lot of stuff as far as for everyone, whether you want animated movies like Arctic Dogs, whether you want to go ahead into a horror thriller like Dr. Sleep. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in that because of the spiritual sequel to The Shining. Last Christmas, which is a romantic comedy, which I think a lot of people are going to be hoping that that touches on a lot of these famous rom-coms for Christmas that a lot of people have loved over the years. Maybe they could catch on like that. Midway is a big, huge remake of the old film, obviously recreating uh, some of the events that happened in World War II. So a lot of people are looking forward to that one. Playing with Fire, that's a comedy with John Cena that looks just dreadful. Again, it's John Cena in a leading role, and we'll see how well his name translates from the WWE to a top role in a movie. The 15th of November, you have the Charlie's Angels remake, Ford versus Ferrari, which Disney is not really high on as a Fox film, but it is getting released and hopefully will garner some type of Oscar buzz. You have The Good Liar and All Rise. These are all movies that are just competing with each other tooth and nail that I'm not sure, you know, again, we're going to have a situation, I think, where a lot of these movies are going to cancel each other out and a lot of these movies are going to be hurt because of it. I think the really big movies are going to come out the next weekend in November 22nd with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks eating up the role as Mr. Rogers. I think a lot of people are really excited to see that film. Plus, Frozen 2, need I say more, my friend? I think Frozen 2 is going to do big box office once again. You know what's weird is I have Frozen, but I've never watched it. And everyone keeps saying, you've never seen Frozen? Every time I say that. I So maybe I, I need to go back and watch Frozen. But, you know, I'm looking at this. And just because of the fact that it is a Disney movie, I think Disney is going to own the month of November. I think Frozen 2, if you wanted this Tom Hanks Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood movie to do well, you would move it maybe to an earlier part of November if that's at all possible for them, because Frozen 2 is going to come out and everybody's going to go see that. It's not just kids. It's going to be adults going to see this movie too. And that's just because it has in the you know four or five years that the Frozen franchise has been around, it's become an icon. I would almost say like a cult franchise, like an, it's iconic when it comes to Disney, because that's what newer Disney fans think of when they think of good Disney movies is they think of Frozen. So I don't see Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood doing well in the coming out in the shadow of Frozen 2, but I could be wrong about that. But, you know, even if you look in December I, with Star Wars, I think Disney is also going to own December. So the holidays are going to Disney. I'm calling that right now and we can discuss that more when the time comes, but I'm predicting it. 
Gee, what a stretch. I will say that the movie's coming up after it, Knives Out, with your favorite director who directed The Last Jedi, Rian Johnson. This is his movie after that film. We'll see how that plays out with Daniel Craig and another all-star cast when it comes out on the 27th of November. And Daniel Kaluuya, who did such a great job in Get Out, he's back in another performance in Queen and Slim. So we'll have to see how those two movies play out when they come out on the 27th of November. Then, like you said, we get into December, and again, it will probably be owned by Disney. You're probably right, but still, there's going to be some stuff that's coming out that might be of interest to a lot of people. In fact, on the 13th, it is the sequel to a a very big surprise hit, Jumanji, and that's Jumanji The Next Level. I want to hear your thoughts. Can Jumanji hit a high score again with audiences a second time around? I don't know, because I didn't actually watch. Did you watch last Jumanji? Was it good? It was all right, but I see the appeal in why a lot of people liked it, kept on going back to see it, and why it earned so much money. I just think it had a nice charm to it. I think if you've watched the previous Jumanji, I think a lot of people would like that better. But still, the previous rock Jumanji movie had a lot of style. They appealed to a modern audience, so I could see them having the same type of success again with this Jumanji, The Next Level. Maybe the second time around, it's not going to be as big. But still, even if it earns a, you know, anywhere near it, two-thirds of the money that the first one did, it's still going to be a big success for Sony. It's the next week I think a lot of people are looking for. And again, with Jumanji, they were one of the few films that actually wanted to be near this film coming up on the 20th of December. Because Jumanji scored well, even in the success of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Because Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is coming out on the 20th of December. I know you're a little bit burned out again like you are with Marvel. But you said you would hold out and reserve some excitement for the end of the Skywalker saga. The movie that I want to touch on just before we talk about Star Wars is Cats. Everybody is freaked out by Cats, that original trailer that came out. They're spooked out beyond belief. Do you think it's just like an internet meme or a joke? Or do you think it's actually going to really hurt the movie itself, Cats? Because it's trying to come out on the same weekend as Star Wars, trying to be that counter-programming. But do you think the internet reaction initially to it and the, I don't want to say negative, but people were just scared at that trailer of the way the frightening CGI and the way the actress looked. Do you think that's going to lead into bad word of mouth and unfortunately a bad release and a bad timing for the cats movie that that's coming out on the 20th of december well remember when the trailer first dropped we were actually recording at that time and i said oh sorry because i had not answered your question for a second while i was watching this trailer and i was like oh sorry this trailer for cats looks terrifying it truly does look scary it looks like something i would not be able to i mean it's not something that would give me nightmares but still is something i would not be able to watch for what two two and a half hours because it's just one, it's not a movie I think anybody wanted to see. Two, it's got a lot of star power, you know, and that could sell the movie, but it's just something that it's a musical. And usually, like, you know, you take your kids, you take your grandmas to see a musical. This is not a musical that I could see kids and grandmas attending. I agree with you. And plus, with Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker coming out that same weekend, I don't think it has a great chance. Plus, Jumanji. That's a movie that likes to be around a Star Wars movie. That is probably the only other movie that I think will gain a lot of traction at that point in time, unless there is a serious Oscar buzz worthy contender that's coming out right after it or right before it that a lot of people will still have interest in, which could be the case because 
You'll have Little Women that comes out on Christmas Day, Spies in Disguise. That's an animated movie. I don't think a lot of people are going to be really interested in that one, even though that's going to have Tom Holland and Will Smith. I think that movie, when it comes out on Christmas, I think that movie would have been better served to come out maybe in a February, March release. But you're also going to have 1917, which is a Sam Mendes directed film with Benedict Cumberbatch and a host of British actors that are going to be part of it that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in as Oscar bait. But yes, like you said, the whole November and December is going to be dictated by Disney with Frozen 2 and, of course, what we're talking about now in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm still excited for it because it is the end of the Skywalker saga. The trailer that did come out, I think, really helped out. I think it's a really good trailer for it. So your thoughts on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker and how we're going to end out 2019 as a movie going experience. Well, I think Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is a good way to go out because there's going to be a lot of eyes on this movie, right? You Because you had the divided fans of The Last Jedi, whether you liked it or not, you're going to go see this movie because what we're hoping for is with J.J. Abrams, we found some common ground between both sides of The Last Jedi debate. Hoping that fans of the old school, fans of the new school can all come together and like this movie. And for that reason alone, I think that it's going to do amazing numbers in box office. I, for one, like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm burnt out on these big franchises, but I'm excited to see this because I just, one, I'm hoping that it'll kind of wash the taste out of my mouth of The Last Jedi, and two, I just want to see that, as a fan of Star Wars, like, I would like to see this trilogy keep going, maybe take a few years off, but keep going down the line so that future generations of kids can grow up having the magic that I did when I grew up, or you did, and it's one of those things that really does speak across generations because it doesn't take place in any certain time setting. And that's always been the great thing about Star Wars. And I also am very excited about 1917, because if you look in the trailer, a lot of classically trained actors in this movie, and I just watched They Shall Not Grow Old, the documentary by Peter Jackson. And that movie was incredibly hard to watch. I think World War I was one of the bloodiest wars of world history, and it's just something that does not get talked about a lot. So I'm really glad that this movie is coming out. I'm excited to see it because I would hope that it would get people interested in history of the modern world again. That one I think is going to get a lot of attention come Oscar time. And of course, it is coming out on the last day movies are eligible for Oscars for the year of 2019, and that's when it comes out on Christmas. So what is going forward for that movie? But I think a lot of good word and good buzz. It has a great director behind it. So I think a lot of good things are coming for 1917. I think it's going to be on a lot of top 10 lists. At the, you know, it just you have that feeling the way it looks right now at this point in time. But Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker is going to be earning the big dough during that point in time, I think a lot of people are going to be excited and reinvigorated again to go see it because it's JJ back at the helm. And again, we're not going to be seeing, like you were saying, we're not going to be seeing a Star Wars film for at least another two, three years, most likely. So it's going to be a little while between Star Wars films. And there's an unknown factor with what's coming next for the Star Wars saga, as far as what's coming down line, a new trilogy or whatever series of films for Star Wars. The only thing that's going to take care of us for the time being is this movie coming up star wars the rise of skywalker and whatever disney plus has to offer with the mandalorian and star wars television shows so that's our fall movie preview if you have any thoughts on the movies that are coming this fall is there any movie that we didn't mention you'd like to know more about or you'd like to hear more about on our show or is there a movie that you're pointing to that we also talked about that you're really excited about or not so excited about and want to share your thoughts on it Please let us know. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. But when we come back, we're going to touch on the controversy real quick as far as what's going on with video game advertisements. And then also our thoughts on a board game we'd like to see. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, and we're back with the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week, Check out our listings today. I just updated again. It is on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You'll see a listing of all the radio stations that we're on, including our great friends at Pulse Talk Radio. So I want to give them a shout out. You want to go ahead and check them out as far as our show, which airs on Sundays. Cannot thank them enough. This Pulse Talk Radio. And also, we were on over 30 different podcast outlets including our great friends at radio.com. So if you want to check us out there, if you really like radio.com, you like the radio.com app, you know what? Go ahead and check us out there because we're on there, radio.com, and we appreciate them carrying the pop culture cosmos. My friend, I want to drop a little bit of knowledge on people with what's going on with your book, Congratulations, You Suck. People seem to talk about as far as getting a paperback, either them requesting it from Barnes & Noble to have it in their stores or getting it online. But you also got to remember, you can get your book, Congratulations, You Suck, for the Nook or for the Amazon Kindle at a great price for $2.99, I believe, correct? Yeah, I think it's $2.99 on the, for the Kindle edition. So yeah, I mean- And the, the Nook as well, and the Nook. And the Nook. So I mean, honestly, like I, I don't care what version you buy, but I appreciate the support no matter what. And again, if you buy the book, please leave a review on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever, because it helps me climb up onto top seller lists. And that's something that I I really would love to do. And I I just, it it feels good to just have feedback, whether you liked it or not, just so I know what to do next time, what to not do next time. So I really appreciate anyone reaching out and picking up a copy, reading it, let me know what they think, or even just owning it. The sales helped me a lot, so I appreciate it. That's again, congratulations, you suck. It's available now on Barnes Noble, Amazon, or wherever you get your books. My friend, before we head on out, two last things we got to touch upon. Real quick, I want to know your thoughts because of the tragic incidents that happened in Texas and Ohio, as far as the mass shootings that were done there, that caused a lot of panic, a lot of blame is going left and right. Again, the video game industry seems to be right in the middle of it. I think they're a low-hanging fruit each and every time these tragic incidents happen. And a lot of the criticism went directly towards the video game industry, unjustly in my opinion, because as we've seen time and time again with study after study after study after study, there is no discernible association between violent video games and these, these terrible incidents that go on. Millions and millions of people have played violent video games over the course of the years, and 99.9% of them don't do those type of things. You and I both played violent video games for years. We haven't had a tendency to do or wanted to do those type of things. 
millions of others have, have done the same. So again, my friend, it saddens me when Walmart in an instant knee-jerk reaction, whether or not you're on one side of the fence on gun control, that, that's up to you. And we don't want to get too political on the show. We never like to. But again, when they're pulling video game ads, not video games, not violent video games, but violent video game advertisements for like Call of Duty, Gears of War, what have you. When they pull those ads, it's kind of concerning. I'm not too sad upon it. You got to go ahead and cover your tracks somehow. But again, trying to put the blame on the video game industry at all for something like this is truly a low-hanging fruit that I think is very unwarranted and very unappreciated. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just a scapegoat. And a lot of the people who do these mass shootings, I'm sure they played video games of some type, but they're not necessarily what you could call gamers, like in the essence that like we are, or you know, the the, the guys from Game Source. Like where they're not gamers, they don't play more than maybe a couple hours a week. So it's 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 interesting to me because it seems like you know what is causing the, this whole thing? It's politics. You know, I know we're not talking about politics, but it's just the fact that if someone goes out and does something horrific like that, it gets immortalized in the news. And that's something we need to stop doing. But Walmart, they were trying whatever they could to make people feel safe in their stores again. And that's why they're pulling these advertisements down. But I, I, I don't think that that was the best way to handle that. And Walmart is notorious for not really having a great selection of games anyways. I don't know, man. Like, as as someone who is both a gamer and someone who, like, I, I feel like I fit all the categories because, like, as someone who who does have experience in owning weapons and then someone who does have experience in mental health and someone who does have experience in gaming, like, I feel like they're all scapegoat issues because I look at me, like, I play a lot of games, but I never at any time have I felt violence towards anybody. So it's just, it feels like they're looking for... A scapegoat. Remember this happened last time too when the assembly of game devs and that reel that had only the specifically violent parts of video games. It's just they don't I think the issue is nobody knows how to solve the issue. I agree with you, my friend. It happens every time. And we we saw this back with GTA, we saw this back with Mortal Kombat. It's always a scapegoat, and it always will be a scapegoat. This is not gonna be the last time you hear about this. This is gonna be continuously time and time again. But nobody goes after the movie industry because we see violent movies. Could that have the same effect? I mean, theoretically, when you're talking about violent video games, you're just pointing towards one point as far as something that's an easy, low-hanging fruit. But you don't go ahead and talk about, oh, could violent movies or violent books, violent images, violent TV shows, could they have the same effect? But you're not talking about You're only hitting video games because... They don't have an industry voice that's really that strong. Video game companies just like to make money and make money and make money. And they like to stay out of the picture. They like to stay out of the limelight as far as trying to go ahead on any other realm except for uh, from a video game standpoint. But when you're that quiet on all those fronts, this is what happens each and every time you go ahead and have these type of incidents because people can go ahead and easily blame you for it. I think that movies are more more of a visual spectacle than a lot of games are because in games you're just doing the same thing over and over again but movies are more in your face and flashy like it's more front and center yet you have these people who are saying don't do violence and then they're on screen you know blowing people's heads off and stuff like where do you stand on that i will say this if you have individuals that are going ahead and and saying one thing but doing another on screen i don't think that's the right image you want to portray yourself i think it leaves you open for a lot of criticism and i think it's justified in many cases but a lot of people want to go ahead and have changes 
that by all means, go ahead and voice your opinion. This is what many have lived and died for, is the fact that we could go ahead and freedom to express ourselves on these types of subjects. And I think a lot of people are trying to be good-willed and, and good meaning towards it as far as the industry is concerned. But when it comes to video games, I mean, video games just continually are this very reachable source that a lot of people go ahead and seem to blame very quickly when I feel it's unjustified and it happens again and again and again. And it will happen again and again and again until there could be somebody that has enough power and has enough strength to do something drastic that would affect the video game industry long term. Do you think that will ultimately happen? I would hope not because the video, like if you look at how much money the video game industry brings in, like it's a pretty hefty chunk. Like these studios keep a lot of people employed. Like it would definitely be to the technology side of America, it would definitely be a big hit if they did that. Because just look at the uh, trade embargoes, right? Like putting those restrictions on certain things, like that was a hit to people developing consoles and stuff. So yes, I think it would have a huge impact. And that would be a shame if that's the case, if there would be some sort of limitation specifically on video games. Plus, also would set a bad precedent because if you're citing one form of art, which video games to an extent is, and in my opinion, then you should go ahead and extend it to all facets of the entertainment realm. But I don't want that to happen because I think that it should be up to the individuals themselves, if they're parents to kids or whatnot, to decide exactly what they want their kids to see. And we as adults should be allowed to see what we want to see or experience what we want to experience. And that should be the case. But again, as as long as we're going to continue to see these unfortunate, tragic mass shootings, the video game industry is always going to be open to these type of challenges and these type of accusations. I mean, it just, it dies out and then something like this happens again. And guess what? The talk of Banning video games and banning violent video games is going to happen once again and again and again. We're just, it's just going to recycle over and over and over until something drastic is going to be done or people are just going to come to the realization that, you know what, there is no discernible link between mass violence and violent video games. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you look at any study done on this subject, there's no correlation between the two at all. It doesn't have anything to do with movies, doesn't have anything to do with video games. It's just, It's human nature and the way we treat each other. And I think that's what perpetuates this type of behavior. Absolutely. If you have any thoughts on this controversial subject, please let us know. We don't usually like to tread into this water, but the unfortunate events of the past week have necessitated it and the actions by Walmart to bring down their violent video game ads. I don't mind that so much because the violent video games are still being sold, which is all right. They're not banning it altogether. But again, want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And our sympathies and our prayers go out to the victims of those mass shootings in all three of the locations over the past two weeks. And if you're feeling any issues of that nature, there are a lot of other ways to go as far as people you can reach out to talk to to avoid those type of ugly incidents. So let's hope our world and our society gets a lot better in the future going forward. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I want to thank you much for joining me again as we previewed the fall movie slate. Hopefully coming up on Friday's show, we're going to have Jessica Boggs come from the TVRatingsGuide.com. We're going to sit down and preview the fall slate for TV coming up here. We also have Vince Otulo from That Sports Card Show podcast joining us on Friday's PCC Multiverse talking what sports cards will be hot this fall and a potential scandal on the horizon for the trading card industry. That's going to be on our Friday show, along with a lot of other great conversation as well. On your way out, my friend, you know, with Gen Con that happened recently, the major board gaming convention that came out, 
If you had a game that you'd like to go ahead and present there for next year's Gen Con, if you had an idea, a concept, is there a game that you would like, or is there a property, a pop culture property that you'd like to go ahead and see translated in the game that hasn't already, or something expound upon as far as D&D or board game? What would you like to see at next year's Gen Con? I would love to see a D&D version of either Constantine or Hellboy, because it seems like those are two really ripe properties for that type of thing. And, you know, a lot of monsters to play with, a lot of mythology to play with, a lot of interesting places that both of these heroes have gone. Like if they had a D&D property in either of those two worlds, I think it could be really cool because you're expanding on a lot of mythology and a lot of history and things like that. So that's what I would like to see. But what would you like to see? I've told you this before, my friend. It's our good friend Shepard. I like to see a full-fledged RPG version of Mass Effect. That would be awesome to me. I would play it nonstop. I'd go ahead and stream it. I'd have a lot of fun playing it. I know you would too. I'd love to see the Mass Effect world come to life in a full-fledged RPG. I know some attempts have been made online, things of that nature, but a full-fledged board game in the Mass Effect universe would be awesome indeed. So for Josh Peterson... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Greetings, Starfighters. It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Join me and the Rusty crew as we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO Network, and at therustedrobot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast, your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.